0: Not one perfect person in the, in the room tonight yet. God still worked on each one of us. Surrender your lives. Let him take complete control. Let's sing that one more time as we have a brother come up tonight. Mercy. It's free.
1: his mercy tonight his grace hallelujah you know i was sitting back there thinking i've i've, I've said in congregations of hundreds that wasn't able to create the atmosphere that was created here tonight it was just incredible to, to hear you worship and to give your everything and and brother sam's right you will be blessed tonight but it has nothing to do with the fact that i'm here it's because the king of kings and the lord of lords has come by this place tonight and it's because you've lifted your voice and you've welcomed him and you've created the atmosphere and that's what allows him to come and deal with hearts and speak to lives i i'm so grateful for the opportunity to be here in your midst this wonderful group of believers i said it last night to brother sam i'll say it again wherever you go when you get amongst believers you find a sweet welcoming spirit and it's because it's his spirit and we're so thankful to be here. As Brother Sam said, I, I was up in the area hunting. I uh, my my wife was gracious to me and allowed me to get away for a little while. And me and my son Jude spent about ten days um, hunting around Council Grove, Kansas. It's our first time ever in Kansas. And it was wonderful uh, to be here. And then Brother Sam invited us, and and we're thankful. We're we're very thankful for this opportunity. And I don't want to keep you long. But talking about these things, but I just want to get straight into the word tonight and keep this atmosphere the way it is. And I, once again, if, if you have your Bibles with you, if you'll turn with us to the book of Genesis chapter 49, we, we have a lengthy reading. I'll do my best to read it as quickly as possible. We get into it. Um, you know, uh, my pastor is his brother, Tim Pruitt there in Minden, and he has a reputation Sometimes for being long-winded, and um, and then the other ministers in our church like to pick on me and call me Tim Junior. So if I don't shut down quick enough, you just you just holler at me, tell me tell me you're done, and uh, we'll be done. But uh, God bless you, and I, I know you'll be a wonderful audience. I, I recognize that in your worship. So we're going to look in, in in chapter forty-nine, verse one, and let's read together. We're going to read down for a little while. It says, "And Jacob." called unto his sons and said, gather yourselves together that I may tell you that which shall befall you in the last days. Gather yourselves together and hear ye sons of Jacob and hearken unto Israel, your father. Reuben, thou art my firstborn, my might and the beginning of my strength and excellency of dignity and the excellency of power. Now, it starts out. This sounds like a really good thing. But if you keep reading, he says unstable as water. Thou shalt not excel, because thou wentest up to thy father's bed, then defilest thou it. He went up to my couch. Simeon and Levi are our brethren. Instruments of cruelty are in their habitations. O oh, my soul, come not thou unto their secret, unto their assembly, in mine honor. Be not thou united, for in their anger they slew a man, and in their self-will they dig down a well. Cursed be their anger, for it was fierce, and their wrath, for it was cruel. I will divide them in Jacob and scatter them in Israel. Judah, thou art he whom thy brethren shall praise. Thy hand shall be in the neck of thy enemies. Thy father's children shall bow down before thee. Judah is a lion's whelp. From From the prey, my son, thou art gone up. He stooped down. He couched as a lion and as an old lion. Who shall rouse him up? The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor a lawgiver from between his feet until Shiloh come, and unto him shall be the gathering of the people be. Binding his foal unto the vine, and his ass's colt unto the choice vine, he washed his garments in wine, and his clothes in the blood of grapes. His eyes shall be red with wine, and his teeth white with milk. Zebulon shall dwell at the haven of the sea, and he shall be for a haven of ships, and his border shall be unto Zidon. Issachar is a strong ass couching down between two burdens, and he saw that rest was good, and the land that it was pleasant, and bowed his shoulder to bear, and became a servant unto tribute. Dan shall judge his people as one of the tribes of Israel. Dan shall be a serpent by the way, an adder in the path that biteth the horse's heel, so that his rider shall fall backward. I have waited for thy salvation, O Lord. Gad, a troop shall overcome him, but he shall overcome at the last amen let's pray together our gracious heavenly father lord what an honor lord it is to stand before just a small portion here lord of the purchase of your blood lord these are your people and and lord this pulpit doesn't it isn't mine but it's a it's another pastor who would stand here and minister to this flock and lord i do not take this opportunity lightly but i recognize that there'll come a time lord where all things we say lord under your people will be held accountable for so Lord, I'm asking that you'll come and anoint, that you'll shut my mouth to anything that you wouldn't want said, Father. Lord, you know my heart's desire. I would never want to offend or hurt anyone, but only to, Lord, to help and to benefit along the way. But, Lord, what I've come to recognize is there's nothing I could say that would help these people. But, Lord, if you'll come and take control, Lord, and you'll do the speaking and you'll anoint Lord, that's where life is. That's where true help is. So we're putting this into your hands now and asking that you would speak. Lord, you know the needs. I don't even know most of these people, Lord, but you knew them before the foundation of the world. And I'm asking that you'll speak to hearts now, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you as you have your seat. There's so many different things within this that Jacob speaks that you you could preach on for for months or even more. But I want to focus on a thought tonight. That comes out of this later on. And if we were to give this a, a, a title tonight, we would say, Stopping Short of Complete Victory. Stopping Short of Complete Victory. Uh, what we're seeing here as we read this portion of Scripture is the very last moments of Jacob's life as, as the spirit of prophecy would come upon him and he would pronounce his final blessings over the lives of his children. And, and what we know is that, that these blessings, or maybe we should call them prophecies, over them would not just be upon them, but it would be upon the generations that were to come that came out of each one of these. We would, we would know these as the tribes of Israel. And, and, and these, uh, these, these 12 that he's speaking to here, his sons, they are just a representative of the entire future nation that, it, that is to come. And the descendants of these sons will now have to live underneath these prophecies because these prophecies are going to play out in their lives and in their descendants lives as time goes on. And I'm so thankful today that we're not living underneath the prophecy or something spoke uh, over 12 mortal men. But the line of the tribe of Judah, he came and he rewrote all those things. And so when we look back at the traits that we live under, look, I may have inherited my father's natural traits. You know, but when I look at my spiritual father as a seed gene, as a son of God, as a royal seed of Abraham, I can look and say he was an overcomer, so I will be an overcomer. He was victorious, so I will be victorious. That's what we're living underneath tonight. I believe that with my whole heart. Before this time, we find that that God had given promises to Abraham of a land that was to be possessed by his seed. But there's other things that come with that. But before that, he says that his seed is going to be a stranger and they're going to be slaves in a foreign land. We see it in Genesis 15, 13. He says, "And, and he said unto Abram, know of a surety that thy seed shall be a stranger in a land that is not theirs and shall serve them and they shall afflict them. 400 years. And we know how the story would proceed, how how Joseph is sold to the Midianites. And then from there, he's sold down into Egypt. And we we see this miraculous rise as he comes up through Potiphar's house. And then from Potiphar's house, he ends up down in the prison. And then he's called out of the prison and elevated to the right hand of Pharaoh. And and God begins to work all this out. And, and, And due to the famine in the land, Joseph's brothers have to come down into Egypt in order to buy food. Now, why does Egypt have food? It's because Joseph is there because they sold him there in the first place so you look at this and and we realize that no matter how bad it looked, no matter how often the action looked, no matter the situation, God was in control of it the entire time. It was God that worked it out for Joseph to be down in, in Egypt. It was God that had him thrown into the prison house. It was God that had him brought Listen, I don't care what the devil says about your situation tonight. I don't care how bad it looks. Our God is in control. There is a final plan for it. He will work it out According to his will, because all things work together for the good of them that love God, to them which are called according to his purpose. And I believe that we're walking in his purpose tonight. My goodness, what confidence we can have in the word of God. What confidence we can have tonight as the royal seed of Abraham, that whatever God has promised, our God is going to do. It doesn't matter how messed up the situation may seem. We all come from messed up situations. We've all got family histories. We've all got cycles that run in our family. We all got things that daddy couldn't overcome and granddaddy couldn't overcome. But I'm thankful tonight to be part of a generation that's called up to be cycle breakers. Maybe granddaddy couldn't do it. Maybe daddy couldn't do it. But I'm called today to do it. I will overcome. I will possess the gates of my enemies. It's what we're called to. It doesn't matter how hopeless your situation seems tonight. He gave promises to Abraham and his seed after him, and you are called to be possessors of that promise. I've got confidence in that tonight. You can have confidence in the word of God tonight. I've got confidence in his healing power. I've got confidence in his saving power. I've got confidence that the promise is unto you and unto your children and to as many as the Lord our God shall call I've got confidence in those things. How can you have confidence in that tonight? Because he made the promise. I didn't make the promise. He made the promise. It's not up to me to keep it. It's not up to Brother Sam to keep it. He made an unconditional covenant. He made covenants with man, and man would break it. He made covenants with man, and man would break it. He said, I'm not going to do it no more. I'm going to swear by myself, for there's none greater that he can swear by. And he made a covenant upon his own name, upon his own reputation. Hallelujah. He made a covenant, and he said, I'll come down. I'll work it out. I'll have a church without spot or wrinkle. It's his word. It's his promise. You can have confidence in that tonight. Hallelujah. Brother Brown would say, this covenant people, Israel, down in Egypt on account of disobedience and of selling their brother Joseph, and was taken down into Egypt and was there 400 years under bondage. He says, I want you to notice They never lost their covenant. They lost their freedom, but not their covenant. When God made the covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob that he swore by himself that he would save Abraham and his seed after him. God's duty bound to keep that promise. And he's just as duty bound to you on that promise as he was to Abraham on that promise. That's right. If you're Abraham's seed, how do you become Abraham's seed? We that are dead in Christ take on Abraham's seed, says the Bible, and we are heirs according to the promise. Then God's just as duty-bound to you as he was to Abraham. He says, say, that would take all the scare out of it. God don't want you to be scared of nothing. Rest solemnly upon what? He said, I tell you what, there's lots of fear in the land tonight, but you don't have a reason to be afraid. The governments are shook up, politics are messed up, morals are crashing. You don't have to be afraid. He made the promise. He's duty-bound to his people to keep it. You can have confidence in God's word tonight. You can have confidence that this is the truth. And I tell you what, as believers of the message of the hour, you can have confidence in the message that it is true tonight. You can have confidence tonight in the message of the hour. Why is that? You can take it back to the scripture. Take it back to Amos. I will do nothing unless unless I reveal it first to my servants, the prophets. You think we're going to get down to the end time, to the rapture of the church, to the greatest event that's ever been, that all of this is about. And he's going to do away with that scripture and suddenly we don't need a prophet. He said, I will do nothing without revealing it to the prophets. Then you have Malachi 4. Where a last day prophet is promised, you can take it to Revelation ten seven, where a last day message is promised. We can see all these other things in the Word and have confidence in it. Well, God's a Savior; I got confidence in it. God's a healer; I got confidence in it. God's going to send a message. It's in the Word. I've got confidence in it. We can see these things, and we can have these confidence. One thing I'm thankful for is God went to great lengths to vindicate this message beyond any shadow of a doubt. I've heard it said that God over-vindicated this message. So you can stand unashamed. You can stand unashamed and say, this message is the truth. This messenger was vindicated. There was no question that God was in it there was no question that this was that this was the truth this was no question that God had sanctioned this because night after night after night after night the pillar of fire would come down the prophet would give a message the pillar of fire would come down and you know what he would say amen The amen, the amen would come down and say amen to this message. And I'm telling you right now, the God of gods will not come down and vindicate a lie. The God of gods will not come down and vindicate a half-truth. But he came down night after night after night and said amen to the message of the hour. And so I can rest my soul right there. It is the truth. I believe it with my whole heart. He didn't leave it to a maybe so. He didn't leave it to a hope so. But he made sure you could have confidence. I understand with all my heart, all the fakes out there and all the the men that would draw people into themselves. I understand the scarecrows that the devil puts up to make people worry about the truth of a message. And God understood it too. So he said, I'll vindicate it. I'll make sure there's no question." So God tells Abraham, his seed is going to be slaves in a strange land for 400 years. But God also says, I'm going to judge that nation. And he says, and when your your seed leaves out, they will leave with great substance. Genesis 15, 14 says, and also that nation whom they shall serve will I judge. And afterwards shall they come out with great substance. Listen, church, we ain't leaving here struggling we ain't talking about, I ain't talking about money, I ain't talking about gold, silver, and gold have I none, I promise you that but he says you're going to leave with great substance we're going to leave here as overcomers, we're going to leave here with our children, we're not going to get by by the skin of our teeth, but onward Christian soldier marching as to war I tell you what, open up those gates, because here we come the bride's coming in, not defeated but overcomers, every devil out of hell under their feet, I'm telling you whatever is bothering you tonight, you will go out with great substance, you will go out an overcomer you will go out victorious we're not leaving beat down and dragging and oh woe is me I'm barely making it but no I'm part of the royal seed of Abraham I'm a child of God blood bought blood washed and I'm going out with great substance a great portion of heaven awaits me because I have chosen the harder way you have chosen a harder way that wasn't just for the prophet But you have chosen the harder way. You have chosen to stand with the truth. And a great portion of heaven awaits you with great substance. We can't lose, church. According to the promise, you can't lose. According to the covenant, you can't lose. According to God's word, we can't lose. And I've got confidence in that. Do not let your current situation. Or your current station, wherever you're at right now, don't let it break you this close to the finish line. I know life's hard. I do. I know problems are real. I'm not one of those guys that's gonna tell you, well, just pull yourself up by the bootstraps and be tough. Life's hard. We're not here to sugarcoat it. Things are difficult. But greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. I can't do it, but he can. He's living on the inside of me. He gives me the strength to do it when I can't go on, when I can't take another step. He says, come on, son. Take another step. Go another day. You're almost home. Hallelujah. We're almost there. Don't give in now. The fulfillment of every promise lies just ahead. The final victory, the final casting down, the full inheritance, the body change, all those things. Literally one of these days you're going to wake up and you're just going to take that step from time into eternity into that new body, into that body that won't get sick, that body that won't get tired, won't get worn out. We will run together on the hills of glory. We will shout and scream and praise the Lord for all he did for us here. It's right around the corner, church. I believe it with my whole heart. I've got confidence that these things, that this fulfillment is right here on us. And there is no greater vindication of what you believe than the fulfillment of it. There's no greater vindication than fulfillment. Fulfillment ends the debate. Fulfillment is the ultimate vindication. Abraham testified a lot about the coming of Isaac. And people are like, sure. But when Isaac arrived, that ended the debate. When Isaac showed up, that a lot of people wondered what it meant that a virgin shall conceive. But when Jesus showed up, they knew exactly what it meant. That ended the debate when those things happened. That little wash girl that Brother Branham talks about uh, with with Mr. Armour, nobody believed that he told her, oh, I'm coming back for you. Nobody believed that because he was rich and wealthy and she was poor. Nobody believed he was going to come back for her. But his arrival The sound of the wagon wheels coming down the road, coming back to get her, it vindicated what she'd been saying. And I'm telling you, there's a little bride on earth today, and the king told her, get ready. I'm coming back for you. Get ready. I'm taking you to a heavenly home. Get ready. I've gone to prepare a place for you. And we tell people, and they laugh, you, they're coming back for you. He's coming. Who do you think you are? Oh, I know I'm a nobody. I know I'm a nothing, but he told me he was coming back for me. And it ain't on my merit, but he said, I'm coming to take you away. And one of these mornings, when this old body changes and this mortality puts on immortality, you talk about a vindication. You talk about a fulfillment. It's okay. I won't argue with you no more then because I'll be gone. Hallelujah. What a vindication. What a fulfillment. We're right here at the end. We can't be slack. He said it. He's going to do it. Stand with all you have. We are very near the final fulfillment. Pardon me for a second. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In these verses of promise to Abraham, he describes the land that his seed is going to inherit. Genesis 15 and 18, he says, in the same day, the Lord made a covenant with Abraham saying unto thy seed, have I given this land from the river of Egypt unto the great river, the river Euphrates. Now, what we know is if if by studying the scripture is that Israel actually wouldn't fully possess all of this territory until the reign of David and the reign of Solomon. When they first cross over after the Exodus, they actually possess a much smaller portion than that. And it's because, not that the promise wasn't good, but it's because of their own sin, their own slackness, and the things that they did in not taking what God told them to take, that they end up with a smaller possession. It was due to their sins, not due to the promise that God had given. So, so as the years wear on and, and, and God's prophecies, they'd seen, as Brother Brown would say, they grind slow but sure. And time is passing and, and all that he has spoken has come to pass. And, and we see Israel has been slaves for 400 years. And, and we find Moses on the scene. And Egypt is brought down to their knees just like it was prophesied. Judged just as it was prophesied. And, and now we see Israel marching towards its promised land. Brother Brown would say we're taking Israel now in their journey coming out of Egypt as a type of the, uh, a type of the world on their way to Palestine, the promised land. I think it's a beautiful thing. I just love it. Pretty near every week, I sit down and read through the book of Exodus if I can, or as much of it as I can. I love it because it's a perfect type of the church today. The condition and how God is moving, moved then what he did in the natural, he's doing in the spiritual now. So Brother Brown says it's a perfect type of the church today and what they did in the natural we are now doing in the spiritual. And so many times you will find the book of Exodus preached on or the children of Israel preached on. And the reason is, is to for me, I don't want to speak for every minister, but as you look at Israel and you find their promises and you find why did they not achieve them fully like they were supposed to? And you find the pitfalls, and you can preach on it so we don't have the exact same pitfalls that Israel had. Here's where they fell short. Let's not do that. If you understand what I'm saying. And and, and many times we point to Israel's failure at Kadesh Barnea. And that's a focus point because of their unbelief and because of being the judgment seat. But tonight I want to go 40 years beyond Kadesh Barnea. They failed at Kadesh Barnea, and because of that, they have 40 more years In the wilderness. So I want to go 40 years beyond Kadesh, and and Israel is again standing on the threshold of the promised land. They're, They're standing there once again, and we're at a place of what should be a perfect fulfillment of what God has given to the 12 tribes of Israel. We're at a place where God has provided time after time. He plagued Egypt for this moment, He opened the Red Sea for this moment. He rained manna down out of heaven for this moment. It was all for this moment. This is what it was all about. He's led them through wars with with the pagan king Sion and Og for this moment. And I tell you, here we stand tonight. You are a people of the open book. And everything God has done in this generation is for this moment. It's for this time. Is for the crossing over. And and our land right now, until we take a rapture, our land is this word. And it's been fully restored and it's it's been opened up to us. And, And our promises lie in this land. Healing lies in this land. Deliverance lies in this land. The Holy Ghost lies in this land. Everything you have need of is in this land right here and it's open to us. And God has done so much to get us to the place to where it's time for us to enter into the land and possess everything that he paid for for you to have. It's time for you to take it all. He's done extreme things for you to have the opportunity to enter into this land. And now back to Israel. They stand in this place. The lessons of Kadesh learned. Their attitude now, we can't stop short. At least you would think. We can't stop short. We can't settle for for anything less than full possession of what God has promised us. We must go in and possess it. We can't continue to wander in the wilderness. The same message that called us out promised to take us in. The same message that God vindicated in Egypt and vindicated in the wilderness. The same message is telling them, cross over and take the land. It's the same message. Think about how, how hard God worked. To vindicate Moses. Think about the things that he did. He vindicates and he proves his word so that we can believe and receive when the going gets tough. When we come down to these moments of it's now or never. Take the land. But he don't want questions. He don't want doubts. So he works very hard to vindicate. And he vindicates what he's doing so we don't miss it. Moses meets the burning bush, and we all know the story. We've been told about it from, from our youth and, and Sunday school. And, and he knows that the people are going to struggle to believe what it is he tells them. Because think about it. I met the burning bush, and, and, the, and, and the voice spoke out of it. It was the I am that I am. He told me to take my sandals off, and now I'm here, and people are going to be like, <laughs> Moses has been in the sun too long, boys. Moses has been out there a little bit too long. And he knows they're gonna doubt it. In chapter 3 of Exodus, the Lord lays out the whole plan for Moses, and Moses says, Nah, they're not gonna believe me. And so in Exodus 4 and 1, it says, And Moses answered and said, But behold, they will not believe me, nor hearken unto my voice, for they will say, The Lord hath not appeared unto thee. And so the Lord gives him two signs. And then he says, he's going to have the rod and, and the sign in the hand. And then he tells them, and if they won't believe these two signs, he says, I'll even turn the Nile into blood. What is he saying in this moment? What is it he's declaring to, this, to, to Moses? It doesn't matter what it takes. I'm not going to let my people miss it. They may doubt you at first. They may not believe at first. But no matter what it takes, this is the message of the exodus. This is the time to go home. This is the time to be set free. And I know some are going to doubt. And I know some are going to wonder. And some are going to try to figure it out in their mind. And they're going to struggle with it. But I'm not going to let them miss it. I'm going to do whatever it takes. I know it's going to be hard to believe. I know they've been in bondage a long time. I know the age is full of unbelief. But I will get the attention of my people. And I'm going to make sure they have enough vindication not only to be delivered, but they can believe in the wilderness, they can believe in the trials, they can believe in the hardships, and they can believe all the way through the journey. Enough vindication that years later, when things are difficult, they can still look back and say, I know it's true. I know it's real. The Red Sea was open. Frogs were called, The Nile was turned to blood. And he vindicates it. I will do whatever it takes. My people must believe. That's exactly what he did for Sarah. The time of the promise was drawing nigh, and Sarah still isn't believing. Sarah's still in the tent with a bad attitude. Oh, he mentions Abraham. It's always Abraham, but never Sarah. It's always Abraham, but never Sarah. And he says, the time of vindication's coming. The time of Isaac's coming. And she's got to be the one that's going to bring forth the promised son. He says, I'll do whatever it takes. I will come down myself. I will take on a body of flesh, and I'll come to Sarah. And so she understands, and she believes. Oh, church, come on. He's looking down tonight, he says, she's the one that's going to bring forth the rapture. She's the one that's going to bring forth the promised son. I'll do whatever it takes for them to believe. He's not going to let you miss it. Oh, maybe some hadn't caught it yet. Maybe some are struggling. I'm not going to leave her behind. I'm not gonna let her miss it. Hallelujah. She's the one. That's my bride. That's my undefiled one. I'll do whatever it takes. I'll make sure she's on board. I'll make sure she's believing. Listen, wherever you're at tonight, wherever your loved ones are at tonight, don't give up on yourself. Don't give so many times we talk about giving up on others. Too many times the problem is we give up on ourselves. Don't give up on yourself. He has not given up on you. He has not thrown in the towel on you. He will never give up on you. He died for you. He loves you. He redeemed you. He's not given up on you. He says, I will do whatever it takes to make sure you are on board. You're the ones that's going to rapture. Oh, he did all these things for Moses. He did all these things for Abraham. He did the exact same things in our day. He made sure there was plenty of vindication so you wouldn't miss it. You know, time after time, Brother Brandon would say this around the world. Now look where the drama sets. Now the Bible is going to be found to be truth or error. I'm going to be found a false prophet or telling the truth. If I tell the truth, God will vindicate the truth. If I tell a lie, God will show that it's a lie. But his word can't lie. That's the reason I'm sure. I'm positive. I'm telling you the word of the Lord. It's God's promise now. Believe. Let's see what he will say. What confidence. What confidence. Thousands of miracles. Thousands of discernments. Visions. Phenomenal things. Death healed. Blind healed. Mind restored. Dead raised. Listen, let me tell you something. William Branham never one time preached to message believers. He was a man standing in front of the denominations, and I've heard him time after time on tape standing in auditoriums with 5, 10,000 people. And he'll say, if anybody, if I've ever told you anything in the name of the Lord that didn't come to pass or was wrong, tell me now. Call me out now. And you know what you hear? Crickets. Oh, well, those were his friends. No, those were actually people that came that didn't believe him as a prophet. They didn't believe what he was saying. They came for the show because they wanted to see the miracles. They wanted to see the signs. They wanted to see the wonders. And he would offer the opportunity. If I've done anything, right now is the time. Not a sound. Minds restored. Dead raised. Vindicated. Authenticated. All doubt removed. All suspicion removed. Doctors statements of the dead being raised. Why are you saying this? Listen. Because God vindicates his word. I'm not here to lift up a man. William Branham never died for you. William Branham never saved you. This ain't about him. He's a brother to me, just like Brother Sam's a brother to me. But he pointed me to a living Christ. He pointed me of a God of today, not a God of yesterday. He pointed me to one where he said, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And it wasn't just word, but he showed it time after time after time. And he never one time tried to take our money. He never one time tried to build an organization. As a matter of fact, he would tell People on Saturday night, you make sure you don't come to my meeting tomorrow, you go back to your church. He wasn't trying to build a kingdom, he was trying to point people to Jesus. He says, What a moment! What a moment! See, the word is the truth, and the word is going to be found. Either I'm a false witness of the word, or I've told the truth. God will vindicate that word is the truth that's right. God will have nothing to do with the lie. You know that. Now, I'm going down this way for a reason, because every move of God, you see God vindicates it. Well, what about, well, you know, miracles, miracles happen in lots of places. Sure they do. God responds to faith. I don't care what denomination you're part of. If you believe in God, God will respond to that faith. God responds to faith. But let me tell you something different. He came down and had his picture taken with this prophet. He came down in a cloud of of angels, and he comes down in the seven angels. There's the king's sword that comes down in Sabino Canyon. Standing in the gap, 1963. I was listening to this as I traveled over here yesterday. Brother Branham begins to tell stories of things that seem far-fetched to the average person. Far out. Extreme spiritual experiences. He tells... In great detail of the cloud. I believe it's the first time he tells it publicly. I may be wrong about that. But he tells of the cloud and the angels. He tells of the king's sword coming into his hand in Sabina Canyon. He tells of the dream with his brother-in-law Fletcher. And how the Lord tells him that if he carries out his plans, he'll end up being a bum. He tells about the two men he saw in the restaurant where Billy Paul says, Daddy, that looks like you and Fletcher sitting right there. And then he tells about the seven peaks of the mountains and how the angel points them out and says about the seven letters in his name. And then he t- points him out to three outstanding peaks and says, these are the first, second, and third pool of your ministry. He tells all these things. Now, I've already told you, God understands that sometimes as humans, we're not going to understand everything. And things we hear are going to be difficult to believe. So what does God do? He vindicates. So Brother Branham tells all these things. Now, I've already established, I believe, that God won't back up or vindicate a lie. He tells all these things, and as he's closing, Brother Edmund Way falls dead in the back of the church. Falls dead. Side note Brother Way and his wife, who was a registered nurse, would visit Brother Tim's home, sit there in his living room, and tell him, She told him, I'm a nurse. He was gone. No pulse, nothing. He was gone. Brother Branham is trying to close, and this happens, and you can listen to it on tape. I don't have time to go through it a lot tonight, but he walks down there, and you hear him so calm. People are kind of getting loud, and Brother Branham says, just stay calm. There's no screaming and shouting, but Brother Branham gets down, and you just hear me just, Lord, give us Brother Way back. And all of a sudden, you hear the people rejoice. Brother Way comes back instantly. The king of kings, the Lord of lords, the one who spoke the universe, the one who created life, wasn't going to come down and vindicate a bunch of lies. But he knew those things would be hard to understand. He knew they would be hard to accept. And so he allows a man to drop dead, not forever, knowing he's fixing to be raised back to live. What greater miracle? Oh, well, that was done in a closet. No, that was done in front of 500 people with witnesses sitting there watching the man die, watching the man raise. Why? So you can have confidence tonight. This message ain't leading us in circles in the wilderness. It's taking us to the promised land. It's not a new Bible. He didn't have to rewrite it. It just made us understand what was in here. It just We're no longer looking at it through a glass darkly, but it's clear and it's open and it's the word and it's the truth and it's taken us to the promised land, the rapture of the church and a body change. Why did he do those things? It's the Exodus message. He says, the people have got to believe. I know this thing will seem far out. I know it will go against normal thinking amongst many of the churches, but I'll vindicate it. And he did these things, and it caught your attention, and it called you out, and it set you on a course to the promised land. It set you on a course to the rapture. And just like those following the message of the exodus then, we have to do more than come out. We have to go in. The message that called you out will take you in. And now we stand where they stood. And and now I'm going to get into the meat of this. And I hope I can get through this quickly. And as they stand there in preparation for the crossing over. All the lessons learned. And yet two and a half tribes suddenly become enamored. With the looks on the east side of Jordan. They're not promised the east side of Jordan. That's not their promise. That's not where the message was leading them. They're supposed to go into the promised land. And all of a sudden, two and a half tribes fall in love with this side. They become enamored with the wrong side. Church, don't get enamored with anything on this side of glory. Glory. Nothing on this side of eternity. There's nothing here worth staying for. There's nothing here worth fighting for. But I promise you that's worth fighting for. That's worth living for. That's worth dying for. That's worth everything. Don't fall in love with things here. Look, I know we gotta live. We gotta have things. There's nothing wrong with having nice things. There's nothing wrong with having homes and cars. But don't fall in love with those things to the point that it would hinder you and keep you here. We're trying to get on that side. Don't stay on this side. Don't fall in love with things on this side. Don't get your eyes off the goal, but press towards the mark tonight. Press towards what you've been called to. Press into all that God has called you to. Not what you think looks right. Not what mom and daddy believes. Not what mom and daddy thought, but what God has called you to. What's he calling you to tonight? you got to press into the land. Press into the word. It's open tonight. Press into it. Find out for yourself. Not what somebody on the internet said. Not what Uncle Tom said. I'm sorry if somebody has Uncle Tom. I didn't mean nothing by that. God bless Uncle Tom. (laughs) But what's God saying to you? What's God saying to your heart? Find out for yourself. The land of the Holy Ghost is where all things are possible, and we got to press into it. Do not settle where you are. Numbers 32 and 1, and we're going to be in Numbers for a while now. It says, now the children of Reuben... Unstable as water. And the children of Gad had a very great multitude of cattle. And when they saw the land of Jazer and the land of Gilead, that behold, the place was a place for cattle. Who kept you out of the promised land, Gad. Cows. They had better grass for my cows. Sometimes we have some pretty bad excuses for not going on with God. We have some pretty weak excuses for not coming to the house of God. Some pretty weak excuses for not fellowshipping with other believers. Cows. Verse 2. The children of Gad and the children of Reuben came and spake unto Moses and to Eliezer the priest and unto the princes of the congregation, saying, Adaroth and Dabon and Jazer and Nimrod and Heshbon and Elilah and Shabon and Nebo and Beon. Even the country which the Lord smote before the congregation of Israel is a land for cattle, and thy servants have cattle. These two and a half tribes uh, in the journey of the wilderness have over time built up a lot of possessions, a lot of cows. This territory is ideal for them naturally. How many times do we focus on what's better for us naturally instead of what's better for us spiritually? Verse five, wherefore, said they, if we have found grace in thy sight, let this land be given unto thy servants for a possession and bring us not over Jordan. Lord, I don't really want what you have for me. Is what they're saying. We've come far enough. We accepted the message. We accepted the word. Don't take us any further. We know the doctrines. We're good right where we are. This is a good land. Listen, even if the land looked good and benefited them naturally, it still wasn't the promised land. Even if it was amazing land, it still wasn't the promised land. You know what it was? It was on the way. It was on the way. And how many times do we get hung up on stuff that's just on the way? We find something good on the way. And maybe it truly is good, but it's not where you're supposed to go. It's not where you're supposed to stop. It's just on the way. You could say the very same thing even about the moves of God. Luther stopped at justification, but it was just on the way. Wesley stopped at sanctification, but that was just on the way. Pentecost fell in love with the gifts. They fell in love with that land, but it was just on the way. Now listen, I want to make something very clear. This doesn't mean they didn't have truth. Those were wonderful truths. Those were amazing truths. It didn't mean they didn't have truth. Listen, you accepting more light doesn't mean they didn't have light. Understand, you can accept more light. They walked in the light they had and they will be rewarded for it. But when new light or, or, or more light shines on your path, then you must walk in that light. You can't point back to the light of other ages. God blessed them for that light. They'll be rewarded for that light. They'll be in heaven for that light. But tonight, God's shining a greater light on your path, and you have to walk in it. You're not here to answer for ages past. You're here to answer for your life and what God opened up to you. And what are you going to do with this Jesus called Christ? What are you going to do with the revealed word of your day? Now, this will be unpopular with some people. But a lot of people fell in love with God sent a prophet. But that was just on the way. You wasn't supposed to fall in love with Eliezer. He was taking you to Isaac. We understand. You've got to press into the land for yourself. You've got to press into the promises for yourself. You have to know God for yourself. Moses is shocked they would ask such a thing. And I'm going to go through this quickly because I'm running low on time. And verses 16 through 15, Moses, is, he gives them a stern rebuke. And he says, do you expect all your brethren to go over and fight for this land, and you're just going to sit back and do nothing? Are you just going to sit back, and you're not even going, and this whole time, that was our goal, that was the plan, and now you're going to send them in without you? You're going to sit back, and he begins to to rebuke them, and he begins to compare them to the spies that gave the negative report at Kadesh Barnea. He says, you're just like them, and now you're going to cause another generation to wander in the wilderness. He says, how how are you going to cause that to happen? And he says that they're sinful men. And then we we come down to verse 16. And they came unto him and they said, we will build sheepfolds here for our cattle and cities for our little ones. I want you to notice something. This is amazing to me. Look how when people get out of balance with the word, their priorities get mixed up. What are they going to build first? Sheepfolds for our cows. It's already keeping them out of the promised land. It has obviously shown now that the material possessions have become their God. We're going to build sheepfolds. Oh, oh, and we'll build cities for our little ones when we get done building stuff for our cows. He gets them out of order. Verse 17. But we ourselves will go ready armed before the children of Israel until we have brought them unto their place. Notice they're no longer identifying the promised land as their own. Moses will help you. We'll, we'll get them to their place. And our little ones shall dwell in the fenced cities because of the inhabitants of the land. We will not return into our houses until the children of Israel have inherited every man his inheritance. For we will not inherit with them on yonder side, Jordan, or forward. Because our inheritance has fallen to us on this side, Jordan, eastward. Let's bring this down. What are they saying? Look, you can have all of it because we don't want that part that God promised. You know, we like all these parts about the blessings. We like the blessings. Yet we love God is love. Yes, and they turn God into a dody old grandpa. But they don't like the parts that make their life line up. They don't like the parts that ain't easy. And so they says, look, you can have all that. You know, hey, we believe in those things. We just don't have that in our church. But, hey, you can have it. That's fine if you got the moving of the spirit over there. That's fine fine if you have healing and deliverances. It's fine if you have gifts. Go ahead and enjoy it. We just don't want it over here. We don't want to possess that part. Now, hey, and they try to spin it. They actually say, hey, they'll get a bigger inheritance. That's just more for y'all to have. Y'all get to enjoy it, but we're going to stay over here on this side. We're going to settle down where we feel comfortable and what fits us best. That's for you, not for me. Listen, the promise is It was for all 12 tribes to inherit, not for nine and a half. We can't get to the part where, hey, y'all just stay here. No, we're all going. We're not leaving a hoof behind. My kids are going. I don't care what the devil says. I don't care the struggles. I don't care the heartache. My kids is going. My grandkids will go because I have promises, and we are going to inherit the promises. We are going to take the land. Somebody's going to quit going in circles and say, I'm going to take my promise. I'm going to take my possessions. They were all supposed to cross over. They were all supposed to be within the borders that God had set for them. In other words, they were supposed to be placed. They were supposed to be placed. The problem here is some people don't want to be placed. They want to place themselves. People want to say, well, I want this and I want this position and I want that place. They don't want to come subject to headship, whether it be the headship of a pastor, the headship of a word. They don't want to come headship. They want to say. They don't want to let go of their own will. Listen, I don't care how good something is. If it's your will and it's not God's will, it's going to cause nothing but heartache and pain. It's going to cause nothing but heartache and hardships. Prophet of God would say, God never changed his mind or his word. But he will give you the desire of your heart. He promised that. Now, this is key. Listen, you know that? He promised to give you the desire of your heart. So let your desire be the word of God. Let your desire be his will, never your own will, his will. You ask him for something, he don't give it to you, say, thank you, Lord, you know what's good. Amen. But look, how do they make their choice? With the eye. This land looks better. This, and they begin to choose just like Lot chose. They're looking at the exact same planes. Go look at it on a map. They're looking on the same planes that Lot looked at. And they're choosing the same way Lot chose, using their eyes. It says, the tribes of Reuben and Gad requested that they be given land in the territory east of Jordan because it was suitable for their needs as livestock grazers. Numbers 32 and 20. And Moses said unto them, if you will do this thing, if you will go armed before the Lord, and, you, and will go all of you armed over Jordan before the Lord until he hath driven out his enemies from before him, And the land be subdued before the Lord. Then afterward you shall return and be guiltless before the Lord and before Israel. And this land shall be your possession before the Lord. But if you will not do so, behold, you have sinned against the Lord. And be sure your sin will find you out. Now, I love this next verse. This is awesome because Moses, being a real man of God, just subtly corrects them. Look at the very next verse. We're getting there. This. Uh, One more. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to put you on the spot. We're on 24 Oh, we're there. Yep. But build your cities for your little ones and folds for your sheep. Notice how he fixes it. He turns it around right there. Just real subtle. Hey, by the way, you got things backwards. Let me at least fix this for you. Build the cities first and do that which hath proceeded out of your mouth. And the children of Gad and the children of Reuben spake unto Moses, saying, Thy servants will do as my Lord commanded. What you're seeing here is the perfect example of the permissive will of God. It never was his perfect will. But if you push him enough, he'll let you have your way. He'll let you have your way. Verse 28. So concerning them, Moses commanded Eliezer, the priest, and Joshua, the son of Nun, and the chief fathers of the tribes of the children of Israel. And Moses said unto them, If the children of Gad and the children of Reuben will pass with you over Jordan, every man armed to battle before the Lord, And the land shall be subdued before you, then you shall give them the land of Gilead for a possession. But if they will not pass over with you armed, they shall have possessions among you in the land of Canaan. Notice the grace of God. Even now, even though they said they don't want it, if they decide to back out of this, they shall have possessions among you in the land of Canaan. Even still, if they don't carry their part of the bargain, we're not going to kick them out. We're not giving up on our brothers, we're not giving up on anybody. If they can't handle their end of the bargain, let's pick them up and bring them on in with us. Let's carry them over the line. Let's carry them over the river. We'll do whatever it takes. Verse 32 We will pass over arm before the Lord into the land of Canaan, that the possession of our inheritance on this side, Jordan, may be ours. And Moses gave unto them, even to the children of Gad, and to the children of Reuben, and unto the half tribe of Manasseh, the son of Joseph, the kingdom of Sion, king of the Amorites. In the kingdom of Og, king of Bashan, the land which the cities thereof in the coast, even the cities of the country round about. So Reuben and Gad, they agree to this arrangement and, and, and promise to send their very best troops to help others obtain the land, and they themselves not even have a portion. And we, what we can see is Moses is very uneasy about this because he's a man of God, and he recognizes that even though this looks good to Reuben and this looks good to Gad, he recognizes it as the permissive, Will of God and what Reuben and Gad and Manasseh are suggesting does not fall in the boundaries of the promise. It is outside the land of promise. What have they done? They've chosen to settle just short of total victory. They stopped just short. Right on the verge of everything that was promised. Just this side of eternity. Just this side. And we pick it up here in Joshua after Reuben and Gad have have kept their part of the bargain. As Joshua 22 and 1. It says, Then Joshua called the Reubenites and the Gadites and the half-tribe of Manasseh. And he says unto them, You have kept all that Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you, and have obeyed my voice in all that I commanded you. You have not left your brother in these many days unto this day, but have kept the charge of the commandment of the Lord your God. And now the Lord your God hath given rest unto your brethren as he promised them. Therefore now return ye and get ye unto your tents and unto the land of your possession, which Moses the servant of the Lord gave you on the other side of Jordan. But take diligent heed to do the commandments of the law, which Moses the servant of the Lord charged you to love the Lord your God and to walk in all his ways and to keep his commandments and to cleave unto him and to serve him with all your heart and with all your soul. Notice something. The decision that they've made isn't due to fear. They're not afraid. They're the greatest of warriors. They're the ones, if you do the research, that lead the battle in every battle to take over the promised land. It wasn't due to unbelief and doubt like it had been there at Kadesh Barnea. It was them looking at the promise of God and going, I'd rather have this. I'm more comfortable with what I like. As a matter of fact, I think I like this better than what God's offering me. When God is asking you to move, no matter how crazy it may seem, or but this is better, why would I move to that? If it's God telling you to do it, don't stop short. Do what he's telling you to do in your heart. God's permissive will is a very scary place to be because you can be blessed in that place and not recognize your error. You can become comfortable in that place, but you will pay the price for staying in that place. prophet of God says, oh, he prospers, you say. You can't believe by prosperity. You can't judge God by prosperity. The world prospers. Balaam prospered by it. But, brother, you judge God by his word. He keeps his word and identifies it, the truth. So remember, friend, as long as you live, never forget this. God doesn't change his mind. Yes, he will bless. He will let you go in his permissive will. But he won't change his mind. He won't change his plan. He won't change his word for you. No, sir, you've got to change. You can't have God's word to match your experience. Your experience must match God's word. One thing I want us to be clear of tonight is not all perceived blessings are actual blessings. The rich young ruler looked to be blessed beyond anybody else, and yet the things that others called blessing turned out to be the curse that sent him to hell because he held on to blessings on this side of the Jordan. He wouldn't let go of things on this side of the Jordan. He wouldn't go in when he was asked to go in. All right, it's okay to have truth, but if God's calling you to more truth, you better go in. Take the next step. Go where God is. Is calling you to go. Because there is no safer place than being in the will of God. If you're walking in the will of God. No sickness. No devil. No nothing from hell can harm you. There is no better place than being in the will of God. If I'm neck deep in a trial. But I know God led me there. And he led me to it. I know God will lead me through it. He's not going to lead me in that trial. But let me tell you what. If I'm doing what I want to do. And I'm neck deep in a trial. Uh oh. Oh, God, help me out of this. Help me out. You know what? He's gracious to do so. He is, but you'll suffer for it. It was told to me one time, and I've always thought this was amazing, and I I believe it with my whole heart. If you seek God's will with everything within you, and yet you still somehow choose the wrong path, just because of human ignorance, God's grace will bail you out of that. But it's when you go without seeking the Lord. I'm going to do this because I want to. I'm going to do this because that's when you're going to have to reap what you sow. Be careful in God's permissive will. You can never be more blessed than you will be in his perfect will. That's the perfect blessing of God. Sure, he'll let you do and choose and do what it is you want to do. He'll let you stay even when you're told to go. Sure. And he may bless you there. But long term, you will pay for that decision. First Chronicles 5 and 9. It says, now we're still dealing with God's permissive will notice. It says, And eastward he inhabited unto the entering in of the wilderness from the river Euphrates, because their cattle were multiplied in the land of Gilead. And in the days of Saul they made war with the Hagarites, who fell by their hand, and they dwelt in their tents throughout all the land of Gilead. They're being Blessed. It says their cows had multiplied there. They're going to battle and they're winning wars. We must be in the will of God. We're looking. Listen, quit looking at people's material blessings and thinking, oh, well, they must be living right. That's not what it's all about. Get your eyes off those things. Oh, but look, they're blessed. Look, their cattle has increased. Look, they're winning battles. They're being blessed there, but they're not in the promised land. They're not where God called them to be. Oh, but we're comfortable here. Listen, I believe with all my heart that comfort is one of the biggest hindrances there is to a Christian. I believe that comfort is the biggest hindrance that in, in every church service. We get comfortable not entering in. We get comfortable not giving our all. We get comfortable sitting there in a lukewarm condition. We get comfortable not overcoming. We get comfortable with a little bit of the world in our life. You should never be able to get comfortable with the world in your life. You shouldn't be able to get comfortable cozying up to the world, but press into the land. I don't even just want to step in and settle on the border. I want to get into the inward parts of the land. Take me deep into the land. Take me away from the border. Take me away from the world. I can't be comfortable in this world, but I want to go into the land. I want to push into the land, not settle on the outskirts, but press in. Oh, come on, church. We're at a place where the word's been restored. There's been a loosing from the bonds of Egypt. We've been freed from the taskmasters. We've been given the opportunity to worship in spirit and in truth. We've been freed from dead formal creeds. How dare us stop on this side of the promise? How dare us stop short but press in tonight? Press in for more. Lord, I need more. I got to have more. Lord, I'm pressing in. I'm not going to stop short. But I want to press in. land has been so open it's not hidden from us anymore there's nothing in here the mystery of God should be finished there's nothing hidden it's been open to us completely in the last day and because of that you can't stop short because of where we stand at right now and with the opening of the word you are without excuse for not possessing everything God's called you to possess those down through the other ages they weren't expected to possess it all But they were expected to possess what was open to them. Whatever was open to them, they were expected to possess it. And and, and now there is a responsibility to take it all because it's all been opened. So the responsibility becomes greater. What a shame it is to be so close. What a shame for Gad and Manasseh and Reuben to be so close. Not only so close, they walked in it, they entered into the land. They they, they took part in the possession of the land. They actually fought for the land. They looked at it and they recognized it was a good land. They were some of the best fighters. They came to service and worshipped with you. They stood there and prayed with you. They went to war with you so that you could possess it. And then they turned and went back across to to their compromised homes on the other side of Jordan. They came so far and settled just short. been on the same journey that these tribes were on. You've been down through the wilderness. You've experienced the highs and the lows of life. You've had great victories and you've had major setbacks. That's me. you, you followed the message of the exodus all the way to the crossing over. You know, the thing is, so many have no problem with the taking out. They got no issue with that. They they, they can look, and and they want to be freed from bondage. So they let it heal them. They let it deliver them. They let it take them out. They let the message take them through the wilderness. They let the message feed them, and and, and they like to to, to get the provisions of the message. But when it comes to crossing over into where the message was taking them all along, mm, I I don't know about that. Where, where was the message taking you? Well, it was taking me to where I could know that, that God sent a prophet, and I'd have quote books, and I could quote the scripture, and I'd know doctrines that are different from other people. Oh, come on. Come on. That, that, that's stopping short right there. Where was the message taking you? It was taking you, I will turn their hearts back to the faith of the fathers. It was taking you back to the original, back to the book of Acts, back to how it was that day in the upper room. If if it ever puts forth another branch, it will write a book of Acts behind it. It's got to be a book of Acts, church. Why? That's the original. That's what people fell away from. Christianity is nothing like it was that day there in the book of Acts. And so where was the message taking you? You got to cross all the way back over you got to go through the wilderness, down through the ages, down through man's creeds, down through the times where there was no food, down through the dark ages, and you end up right back at the original, the original seed, the original life, the original Holy Ghost, the gospel, the way it was intended to be. Yes, what Jude said, he said, you got to contend. you got to contend for the faith as it was once delivered. It's taking you back to the original, not to something new message. Is it something new? what Brother Branham say? He said, will Paul have to stand? Oh, yes, Paul will have to stand. And Brother Branham said, oh, I'm glad because I preached what Paul preached. If you can't find what you believe in this Bible, get rid of what you believe. It's got to be there. It's taking us back to the original. Don't settle where you are. He says the Pentecostal church today is the advanced Lutheran church. He said, that's exactly right. He says, but now we draw fences. He says, if we would make our organizations and end our doctrines with a comma, we believe this plus as much as God will give to us, that would be fine. But they end it with a period and say, we believe this. You got to believe it, or you believe it, or you don't come around us. So, therefore, God, you just shut yourself off, right? We must be willing and open to receive God, and whatever God's got for us with an open heart, we must receive it. What's the key here? Whatever God has for us, not what we think, whatever God has for us, not where we feel most comfortable. What God has for us, and let me make this clear, what God has for me may not be what God has for you. That's okay. But I promise you, one thing we all have in common is he has this whole word for all of us. He, The word that applies to me applies to you. And the word that applies to you applies to me. I can't just have the pitchfork religion and go, well, let me shovel that over there. I ain't mine. Brother Sam needs that. How many times, I've been guilty of it. You know of a situation in church and the preacher starts preaching something. You're like, mm-hmm, I know who that's to. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, you, hey, you. No, no. If you can't find your need in the word, you, you, the problem is you. The, the word can correct all of us, anytime, place. no matter where you're at tonight. The word can correct us. People have no problem with the taking out. They see the wrong of ages past, and I'm bringing this down to a close. They can even see God send a prophet, but they can never fully enter into what the prophet brought them to. The whole of their inheritance. All that Christ died for. All that his word declares. And I want to charge you tonight, do not stop short. Listen, Luther's age accepted the truth. But they stopped short of sanctification. Wesley's age accepted the truth. But stopped short of going on into Pentecostal age. The Pentecost accepted the gifts. But they stopped short. And yet many today even walking in this life choose willingly to stop short. We can't stop short tonight. The book is open. The seals are off. The land is open. And God has said this is your portion. Well what's my portion? All of it all of it, your portion. You need healing tonight, that portion's yours. You need salvation tonight, that portion's yours. You need your prodigal son return. that portion's yours. You need the baptism of the Holy Ghost, let me tell you, the promise is unto you and unto your children and to as many as the Lord our God shall call, even them that are afar off. Oh, my son's so far off in sin. Perfect. I just found him in the scripture. He can come back. I say, kill the fatted calf tonight. I say, quit settling short. I say, prepare for a jubilee. Prepare for rejoicing. Prepare for victory. I say press in tonight. Press across the river. Don't stop short. As we close, I'm going to read a couple of scriptures to you. And I don't necessarily want to end the service on what you might think is a, is a downer note but we're going to see the truth of what happens to those that stop short. Judges 10 and 6. We we're going to read several scriptures here as we close. It says, And the children of Israel did evil again in the sight of the Lord, and served Balaam and Ashtaroth and the gods of Syria and the gods of Zidon and the gods of Moab and the gods of the children of Ammon and the gods of the Philistines and forsook the Lord and served not him. And the anger of the Lord was hot against Israel, and he sold them into the hands of the Philistines and into the hands of the children of Ammon. Now notice, in that year they vexed and oppressed the children of Israel. Eighteen years, all the children of Israel that were on the other side of Jordan, in the land of the Amorites, which is in Gilead. Wait a minute, what, what about those in the promised land? No, those that were on the other side. They had removed themselves from the protection of the of their brothers, they had removed themselves from the protection of being near the tabernacle, near the house of the Lord. We find the name Nahash in First Samuel eleven. There's a battle there, and Saul defeats him. And I'm going to sum this up. Basically, there's seven thousand men that are in a city, that the city is called Jabesh-Gilead, and they send word to Saul, and they desperately need help. And Saul actually comes, and, and he defeats. And he defeats Nahash. But what we don't read there, and they find you actually find the complete story of this in some of the Dead Sea Scrolls. And and we don't hang our soul on some of those things that people find or on histories or whatnot. But it's very interesting. When you read the Dead Sea Scrolls, there's an explanation for why those 7,000 men ended up there in Jabesh-Gilead. It says that Nahash's actions were discovered. And it says that Nahash conquered the lands of Gad and Reuben. And gouged out the right eye of all but 7,000 men who fled to Jabesh-Gilead. When you don't accept the whole truth, it affects your vision. When you don't accept what God's telling you to do, it changes the way you see things. It says, Nahash, the king of the children of Ammon, sorely oppressed the children of Gad and the children of Reuben." And he gouged out all their right eyes and struck terror and dread in Israel. There was not left one among the children of Israel beyond the Jordan whose right eye was not put out by Nahash, king of the children of Ammon, except for the 7,000 men that fled and entered into Jabesh-Gilead. About a month later, Nahash the Ammonite went up and besieged Jabesh-Gilead, the life of their own choosing. No matter how good it looks, no matter how successful it is, if it doesn't line up with what God instructs you to do, you've left yourself exposed to attack. You've left yourself open to the enemy. It says, having remained on the east side of Jordan, away from the remaining nine and a half tribes of Israel, away from God's tabernacle, they were vulnerable to attack by bands of raiders. They would also find out they were vulnerable to attack by the king of Syria. In 1740 B.C., Tiglath-Pilser, king of the great Assyrian Empire, whose capital was a complex of four cities, carried away the Reubenites, the Gadites, and the half-tribe of Manasseh, placing them as captives in Assyria. 20 years before what we know is, is the great captivity of Israel and them being carried away, 20 years before that happened, all those on the wrong side of Jordan were already gone, already captured by the Assyrian king. Already taken. They were the first to go into exile. Why? They settled just short of complete victory. They didn't see the need to press in. So they suffered. Their family suffered. Their children suffered. I'm telling you tonight that it's God who has established these boundaries. Not man. Press into the land. It's God who has established this promise. It's God who said there will be a rapture. It's God. And if there's a promise in this Bible that God wants me to take, I want to take it tonight. I'm not going to settle for a partial heating. I'm not going to settle for just a sanctified life. I'm not going to settle for just a little bit of victory. Listen, I understand, Brother Aaron, I'm weary. Brother Aaron, I'm worn down. Brother Aaron, I'm battle fatigued. And I've already possessed so much. I think this is a good place to stop. Come on, soldier. Come on, soldier. Pick up your sword. We'll fight with you. We'll press with you. We'll push you through. We'll carry you across the river if we have to. But don't stop short. Press in tonight. If there's a promise in the word you have need of tonight, press in tonight. If there's more of God you have need of, press in tonight. Whatever you do, don't stop short. The rapture is upon us. The change of our bodies is upon us. The greatest fulfillment the world has ever seen is upon us. You can call me what you want. You can call me Holy Roller. You can call me Pentecostal. I don't care. One of these days, you're going to call me gone because I ain't going to be here no more. You talk about a fulfillment. I will not stop short. I'm not stopping. I've been called to a rapture. I've been called to crossover. I've been given a promise, and I'm going to possess that promise tonight. Hallelujah. I believe that for every one of you. I believe you're called to the promised land. Go and take it. Do not stop short tonight. Hallelujah. Will you bow your heads with me tonight? Hallelujah. We thank you, Lord. Lord, tonight our cry is we won't settle for anything less than total victory. I want to be taking up ground all the way to the day he takes me home. Lord, don't find me settled. Don't find me sitting still. Don't find me not doing something for the kingdom of God. Lord, Don't let me find myself in a place where I'm too comfortable with what I've done. uh, Oh, I believe this, and I have more light than somebody else. Shame on us. Shame on us. It's not for me to worry about what light others walk in. Let me walk in the fullness of the light God has given me. And God bless those as they walk in the light he has given them. Lord, help us to press through tonight. Help us to cross over. May we never be one that will settle, Lord. Lord, you didn't settle that day as you walked up Calvary's Hill. Lord, you didn't stop short. You saw my sins. You saw my sickness. You saw my failures. You saw how many times I'd quit, and you didn't stop short. And I believe with all my heart, as your prophet taught us, that we would be bone of your bone and flesh of your flesh. She is him, same power. I believe we won't stop short. But every devil in hell that's been loosed out of the river Euphrates into this last day will be conquered by this bride. Lord, we will not stop short, and by your grace, Lord, we'll continue to press on. That's the desire of my heart, Lord. I want to press on. I want to press the battle. If there's anybody here tonight that would just say, Lord, Lord, remember me. Lord, I don't want to stop short. Lord, I want to take another step tonight. I want to continue to press the battle. You just lift a hand to him tonight and say, Lord, I'm, I'm here. I just want to be an honest heart before you. Wherever you're at tonight, I thank God for everything he's done for you. Whether you're just starting or you're miles down the road, but wherever you are tonight, he's saying, take another step. Come a little further. I've provided it all for you. You can have it. Lord, we just commit this message into your hands. We commit these people into your hands. Lord, may this light shine gloriously. Lord, may the gospel go forth from this place in the power, Lord, in the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, I believe with all my heart, soul will be one right here in this place and in their church building as they move forward. Bless them, Lord. Vindicate once again that you're in this work. We thank you, Lord. And, Lord, I would like to say publicly that it is an honor to be affiliated with such a group. May you bless these people in your precious name, in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you, church.
0: armor for you back. Where would you go back to? There's no place to return to. He asked Peter who do you say? He said thou art the Christ. The others that left him when he told them eat my flesh, drink my blood they turned away. He asked Peter you're going to go too Peter. So where am I going to go to? There's nowhere else to go. Thou hast the words of life. Don't shop short tonight. Press the fight. Press the fight. Push the fight to the enemy's gates. Don't just whoop him when he comes after you. You chase him home. And you destroy him there. This is the kind of army you're in tonight. Don't let me me start reading Joel 2 to you tonight. You're fierce. You're meant to be very fierce. You're not to be kind of calm and calm and laid back. Well, I lost that one. No big deal. I lost that one. No, no. You get after him. You're not called to negotiate. There's no peace. There's no quarter. This is this or death. And he can't beat you. He can't beat you. He's been defeated before you were ever born. You're fighting a defeated foe. When you get up in the morning and tell them, Satan, I'm up, here comes your fits. You better start having fits right now. Pump your brakes. Whatever it is, I'm up. You're defeated and I'm not. What a mighty God we serve tonight. I appreciate that word of encouragement. We are so close. We are so close. Don't give up now. Ephesian age aimed at it and they relaxed. Well, we've got this. We've got this. We have the movement of the Holy Ghost. We have we have our shadow healing people walking by. and they, 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 As far as all that was done, they that was wonderful. That was powerful. Let's stop right there. No, keep walking. Keep walking. And God knew that. God knows the humanity. He knows the things he struggle with. That's why there were seven church ages. God kept building it up and building it up and become higher, come higher. And that's where you find yourself tonight. I said Revelation chapter 4, come up a little bit higher into that glorious word. Satan's scared to death of that word. He's scared to death of that word. He sure can't have you believe in that word. Because if you believe that word, you know where he ends up. Amen. I enjoyed that so much tonight. Let's let's bow our heads tonight as we ask the Lord his his blessings for us. Dear precious Lord Jesus, Lord, what what a privilege it is to serve you in this day. Lord, it is by your mercy and by your divine grace that we are all in this room tonight, that we are on this battlefield, we're on this path, we're on this way. Lord, we understand this is your supreme divine will and mercy for our lives. Lord, I'm sure each one of us can testify Satan has been trying to kill us our entire life. And he's tried and he's failed and he's tried and he's failed. Yet here we stand today. He's brought discouragement. He's brought depression. He's brought offenses. He's brought complexes. All these things he's trying to put on us. Yet still here we stand again today. And we're not cowering down. We're not crawling. We're not begging. No, we're on our feet. We're on our feet and we're dressed in battle armor, Lord. Put a courage, put a faith, put a zeal, put an enthusiasm and a a fire in our heart, Lord, to beat down every demon that comes our way. Lord, help our people tonight. Help our brothers and sisters. I pray you would so encourage them, Lord. Be with them as they go their separate ways. Bless us, Lord Jesus. Bless Brother Aaron, Lord. I pray you'd give strength to his body. Re-encourage him, Lord. Refill everything he's poured out tonight. Be with them as they travel home, Lord. Keep them safe. Bless them, Lord, everywhere they turn. Have mercy on them, Lord. Bless that ministry. Thank you, Lord, that we had the opportunity tonight to, be able to partake of that gift, Lord, that you created before the foundation of the world and you put in that, brother. Lord, we appreciate you so much for your goodness to your people, Lord. We praise you, Lord. We give you all the glory. We give you all the honor, Lord, for you're the only one we'll bow before. We worship you with our whole hearts, Lord. We thank you for your goodness tonight your holy and precious and blessed, most beautiful name, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Before we go, let's sing that song, I Can Make It.